Instagram is a beast. There is no lie that every single week the algorithm changes, there's a million new features, there's so much to keep track of, so much you have to worry about, and all you're trying to do is scroll your business, trying to get more customers and make more sales on Instagram. That is why we created the Insta Club Hub to help you learn exactly what you need to know to stay up to date with the changes that are actually relevant to you as a business owner and to help you grow your following and customer base on Instagram. You can check it out, best part, for only $7. You can join a two-week trial for only $7. That's 50 cents per day for two weeks. And all you have to do to grab that trial offer is go to instaclubhub.com forward slash trial. Again, that link will be down in the description. But right now, while you're listening, you can just open up your Safari browser or whatever internet browser you use and just go to instaclubhub.com forward slash trial. Hey there, what's up? And welcome to today's episode of Build Your Tribe. Today, we're going to be talking about TikTok. We're going to be talking about Meta. We're going to be talking about what's been in the news, my thoughts, my opinions. But also, I'm going to start by sharing as much as I can that's factual regarding everything that's going on right now with these two major social media companies. In case you weren't aware, last week, TikTok made big news, or rather, I should say, the U.S. government made big news by having what was essentially a trial where TikTok's CEO took the stand. And he took the stand in its simplest form in defense of TikTok, trying to argue that the app should not be banned within the United States. It created a lot of drama. It created a lot of content opportunities, I got to say, on TikTok, my whole entire For You page was just video after video of people making fun of the trial, but also people who were social media experts and people who were lawyers were kind of breaking it down and talking about the different aspects of it, talking about the legality of different moments. And there's just a lot of opinions and a lot of chatter online around this trial. And it makes sense because TikTok is one of the biggest social media platforms in the US and in the world. And there are so many implications around TikTok potentially being banned. And we're going to get into that in just a little bit. But I think it would be beneficial if we started with a time timeline so we can know how we got here before we can move forward and I can give you my thoughts, my hypotheses, my predictions, my opinions. I want to start with the facts of how did we end up here today? First and foremost, in July of 2020, rumors started to circulate that the U.S. might ban TikTok due to some concerns in the White House that the Chinese government could have control over the app, its algorithms, and the data that was being collected on TikTok. At that same time, TikTok was trying to position itself as an American company. They knew that these rumors were swirling and they wanted to protect themselves and align themselves with the USA as much as they possibly could. So at that time, they instated an American CEO who was the former chairman of Disney. They also made sure that all of the data centers for the app were in the United States and they were not in China. And they separated TikTok's American operations from its parent company, ByteDance, which is a Chinese company. One thing that I think is important to note is that TikTok actually wasn't originally a Chinese company. TikTok was originally called Musical.ly. Some of you might be making that connection right now for the very first time. Musical.ly, which was an app that was really popular in the mid-2010s, was bought by ByteDance, 
which again is a company that is from China. They purchased Musical.ly, renamed it as TikTok, rebranded it, and then relaunched in 2017. But that was July of 2020 when all of these rumors started to swirl and when TikTok, in order to kind of quiet these rumors or put people at peace, decided to start making their company more USA-centric and at least making all of the United States operations make sure that they were taking place and all of the data from US users was being stored outside of China. Then in August 2020, so a month later, then President Trump signed an executive order banning TikTok if the app was not sold within 45 days. So essentially, it had to be sold to an American company within a month and a half or else TikTok was going to be banned. Oracle, which is a very prominent U.S. technology company and many other investors, bid for TikTok and tried to purchase it. But no one ever actually did end up purchasing it. And in December of 2020, a few months later, a federal judge blocked the Trump administration's TikTok ban. Many lawmakers at the time called the potential ban arbitrary. And the ruling also specifically cited a lack of, quote, reasonable alternative before banning TikTok. So that was December 2020, the very end of 2020. Then October 2021, so about 10 months later, Facebook researchers, this was a data leak from someone who worked at Facebook, they leaked that Facebook researchers had concluded that teens were spending two to three times more time on TikTok than they were on Instagram and that Facebook's popularity amongst young people had plummeted. So this was from an internal data collection that happened at Facebook, and then that was leaked to the public. So basically, it tells us that Facebook was aware at that time, October 2021, that TikTok had a serious monopoly over the attention of young people and teenagers. Then March of 2022, so about five months later, about a year ago today from when I'm recording this, news breaks that the GOP firm called Targeted Victory was hired by Meta to push the narrative that TikTok was a dangerous platform and one that should be seriously reconsidered by the United States public because of its relations with China. Essentially, Meta, which in case you're not aware, is the parent company that owns Facebook and Instagram, paid millions of dollars to this lobbying firm to sway the public opinion in favor of Instagram and Facebook and against in opposition to TikTok. And in fact, according to an internal report or a data leak from this operation that was carried out by Targeted Victory, here's an exact quote. Dream would be to get stories with headlines like from dances to danger, one campaign director said. So this was a campaign director who worked for Targeted Victory, and that was something that they said. That was one of their dreams, was to create headlines about the scariness of TikTok. And they wanted to make sure that the American public heard this message that TikTok was a threat to children and young people. So again, I just want you to think about that as we're following along this timeline. A few months after Facebook finds that they're losing out major popularity in the teen and young person department to TikTok, there is this campaign only five months later that was leaked where basically Meta is paying big bucks, a lot of money to have TikTok's name smeared. Then in June 2022, TikTok transferred all of its US-based data over to servers that were owned by Oracle. So TikTok isn't owned by Oracle, but all of their data is stored on US soil and by a US company, Oracle. Prior to this, the data actually still wasn't even stored in China. 
The data was stored in Virginia, and there were backups of the data in Singapore. TikTok also claims that the Chinese government has never had access to U.S. data. That was in June 2022. And then December 8th of that year, so December 8th, 2022, TikTok announced its new security plans with oversight from the National Security Agencies of the United States. So new security for the data of TikTok overseen by U.S. security agencies. And the platform announced the new trust and safety team in the U.S. that was specifically created to protect United States citizen user data. Then at the end of that month, on December 22nd, Forbes released a report stating an internal investigation by ByteDance, the parent company of video sharing platform TikTok, found that employees tracked multiple journalists covering the company, improperly gaining access to their IP addresses and user data in an attempt to identify whether or not they had been in the same locales as ByteDance employees. So basically, to sum up or translate what I just read, an internal investigation found that people who worked at ByteDance, the parent company of TikTok, people who worked there had been tracking journalists who reported on ByteDance, and they were specifically tracking them to see if they were in the same areas and regions as the people who work at ByteDance. So essentially, they were trying to spy on their internal staff through tracking journalists and seeing like basically, you know, are they meeting up at the same coffee shop? Are ByteDance employees happening to go for a drink at the same bar as some of these journalists? They were essentially tracking their own users, or I should say their own staff members, as well as some journalists who reported on ByteDance to see if there was any co-mingling going on. Lawmakers then proposed a bipartisan legislation supporting a ban of TikTok on federal devices. So one of the direct outcomes from this Forbes report is that U.S. lawmakers basically say, hey, if you have a government device, you can't have TikTok on that device. That was December 22nd. The very next day, December 23rd, Meta agrees to pay $725 million to settle a long-standing class action lawsuit accusing it of allowing Cambridge Analytica and other third parties to access user information and that they had misled users about their own privacy practices. Meta disclosed that the private information of as many as 87 million Facebook users was obtained by Cambridge Analytica, a data analytics firm that worked with the Trump campaign for the 2020 election. So to translate what I just read, essentially Meta agrees to pay a lot of money to settle a lawsuit which came about because they were misleading us, the meta users, about their privacy practices and because they had allowed multiple third-party companies, including Cambridge Analytica, who worked with the Trump campaign, to access our data and use that data however they may choose. This agreement was set to go before a judge in March of 2023, so this very month that I am recording this. Then December 27th, so there's a lot happening in a short time frame here, all right around Christmas where we're all just in the holidays, we're spending time with our family, and there's a lot that's going on behind closed doors. December 27th, 2022, TikTok is banned from the mobile devices of lawmakers and staff in the United States House of Representatives. So that was already proposed on December 22nd, just a few days, just actually five days earlier after that Forbes report. Now December 27th, TikTok is officially banned on all devices of lawmakers and staff in the U.S. House of Representatives. 
December 30th, three days after that, a revised ban is issued which restricts TikTok from the mobile devices of all federal government employees. Some exceptions are made for research and law enforcement purposes, but for the most part, this is a pretty wide-reaching ban within all federal government employees. That's December 30th. That's right at the end of 2022. Then February of 2023, Instagram announces Meta Verified, a new subscription service, and they cancel the Reels Bonuses program. We've done entire Build Your Tribe episodes about both of these topics, but in short, Meta Verified is a new subscription service where you can pay a monthly fee to Meta in order to unlock a few features, including the verification badge and increased account security. And at the same time, Instagram and Meta basically said, we're not gonna be paying people anymore. So unlike the creator fund, which exists on TikTok or YouTube AdSense, which is where you get paid ad revenue over on YouTube, Instagram had what was called Instagram Reels bonuses and Facebook had Reels bonuses as well, where essentially you would get paid in a pay-per-view style system. And in February of 2023, Instagram announced, we're canceling that program. We're no longer going to be running it. We might bring it back in the future, but as of right now, we're losing money. That's basically what they said is, we're not seeing a return on investment from this program. So we're going to be canceling the Reels bonuses program. Then March 2023, the U.S. House Foreign Affairs Committee voted to give President Biden approval to ban TikTok. And then March 23rd, 2023, just about a week and a half ago, TikTok's CEO, Josie Chu, and I'm sorry, I definitely just butchered that pronunciation, so I'm so sorry, but I'm going to call him Mr. Chu from now on because that's his last name and that's how they referred to him in the trial. He testified before the U.S. House Energy and Commerce Committee. That is the full timeline of what's happened over the last three-ish years and what has led to this new debate, or actually I shouldn't even call it a new debate, this heated debate that has retaken center stage recently around whether or not TikTok should be banned, to what extent should it be banned, and also a lot of other questions have been raised. We're going to get to those in just a second. But first, I want to really quickly address the facts of the legality of TikTok being banned, and specifically the legal path to TikTok being banned. According to Kristen Willey of Stratosphere, she says that the legal path to TikTok being banned is unclear. The FCC can't do it. They have no jurisdiction to do it. And despite the supposed national security threat, the Pentagon can't do it. The federal government can't force Apple and Google, which allow us to download the app through the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store. They can't force Apple and Google to do it because of the First Amendment. Congress won't do it because of the popularity of TikTok amongst its constituents, amongst U.S. users, which I should have mentioned earlier. TikTok now has about 150 million U.S. users. That's about half of the U.S. population, which is absolutely wild. And also they go on to say that the executive order or an executive order won't do it because it's too broad and no judge will do it because they have no probable case. So all paths to a ban are impractical for one reason or another, and thus a TikTok ban in the United States is very unlikely. 
Now, with all of that being said, now that the facts are out there, now that we have everything laid on the table, I would love to share my opinions with you. And of course, you're allowed to disagree. You're allowed to have whatever thoughts you have. You're allowed to have whatever opinions you want. You're allowed to think whatever you want. This is my opinion. And if at any point you're listening and you get really angry and you're just like, this guy, I can't stand him. You have this magical ability to stop listening to this podcast. You can press pause. You can stop listening to this episode. You can listen to a different episode. You could take out your earbuds or you could just go for a walk, take a deep breath and realize that I'm just some guy with some opinion. My opinions are as follows. First and foremost, I think that the hearing, and I want to address that first, was embarrassing. At times it was hilarious. At times it was appalling, but it was overall, it was pretty sad. I think that the way TikTok CEO, Mr. Chu, handled himself while getting grilled, spoken over, interrupted, accused, and at times even harassed, all while in a second language, I think that that was nothing short of honestly amazing. I think he showed class, he showed patience and dignity. I think that no matter where you fall on the political spectrum, I think that we can all agree that no matter how you feel about the man or about TikTok, he showed class and patience and dignity, despite at times having hardly any time to respond, having being talked over, being accused of things, being yelled at at times. It was pretty wild to watch. Honestly, the hearing seemed like way more of a way for these representatives to get some good sound bites for TV and win some cheap political points from their constituents rather than to actually protect the U.S. citizens or to try to understand TikTok and ByteDance a little bit more. So that's my first thought. You know, I was just going through it with my wife and that's still so fun to say, my wife. We've only been married for a few months. That's still so fun to say, but we added it up and we now have reached double digits. We have 10 side hustles in our family. Between the two of us, we have 10 different digital side hustles, easy ways to make money online. A lot of them are passive income. A lot of them, they make money while we sleep, whether or not we're actively working. And that is so awesome, especially for our lifestyle on the road, always traveling. Having these different side hustles allows us so much flexibility in terms of our income. And that's why I'm excited to tell you about Hostinger because they have everything you need to thrive online. Launch a website or online shop in minutes without technical or design skills for only $2.99 per month, including a free domain name. And it is so ridiculously easy to use. They have over 150 beautiful and fully customizable WordPress website templates. So you can just drag and click and be ready to launch your website. It is so, so easy. It's never been easier to start a side hustle online than right now. All you have to do is go to hostinger.com forward slash tribe to get everything you need to create your website for less than $3 per month, plus 10% off with the promo code tribe. Again, the website is hostinger, which is H-O-S-T-I-N-G-E-R.com forward slash T-R-I-B-E tribe. And the promo code tribe will get you an extra 10% off at checkout. Link and promo code are both in this episode's description. Honestly, the hearing seemed like way more of a way for these representatives to get some good sound bites for TV and win some cheap political points from their constituents rather than to actually protect the U.S. citizens or to try to understand TikTok and ByteDance a little bit more. So that's my first thought. My second opinion is regarding Meta. First of all, I think it's not surprising, but I also think it's not acceptable the way they lobbied to have TikTok banned and smeared and basically to just paint such a negative picture of TikTok. 
I am, like I said, not surprised. I'm not going to be shocked because a United States mega corporation, a giant company like Meta with billions of dollars at its disposal, wants to create a bad image or reputation for its biggest competitor. And also, I'm not excusing it just because I'm not surprised doesn't mean I'm excusing it. I think that it's a terrible thing that companies are able to do this. And I don't want to get into this huge, much more broad conversation. I want to keep it specifically about Meta and TikTok today. But I think it's frustrating, right, that companies, especially companies that are supposedly looking out for our own best interest, a la Meta, as in what they're always saying, their CEO of Instagram, Adam Mosery and Zuckerberg, they're always saying that they support small businesses and they support creators. But if TikTok gets banned, millions of creators are going to lose their platforms. Millions of small businesses are going to lose the opportunity to reach new people and to continue to serve their audiences. So I think maybe the more appropriate thing that those two CEOs, Zuckerberg and Adam Mosery should say is that we support creators who use Instagram or we want creators and business owners who use Instagram to continue to win. But we're going to talk more about that in a minute. Another thought that I have around Meta is that maybe they understood, and, and, and they're smart people, obviously. They're lawyers, their legal teams, their advisors, smart people, obviously. And I think that they probably understood a long time ago that the likelihood that TikTok was going to be banned was pretty unlikely. But I think they had the foresight to know that with Targeted Victory, the lobbying group who they hired, and with this public outcry and with these government trials, even if TikTok didn't get banned, TikTok would have a negative enough reputation. There would be enough misinformation. There would be enough hyperbole and stories out there that people wouldn't trust TikTok. And I got to say, from reading my own comments section, this is true. It's really interesting. I've made a few posts recently kind of about this and not as in-depth as this podcast, but just talking about the lobbying and talking about TikTok versus Instagram. And it's amazing to see how in my comments section, there are quite a handful of people, I wouldn't say a majority, but quite a lot of people commenting about how they would be happy to see TikTok banned and all these other hyperboles and, and things that I'm going to talk about in a minute. But just, it seems like maybe not a majority of people, but quite a few people are on the bandwagon of anti-TikTok. TikTok needs to be banned. TikTok needs to be deleted. No one in the US should be able to have TikTok. And so in that way, Meta has won. They have swayed at least some people in the public to be very anti-TikTok. And this then leads into my next opinion, which is that Meta knew this was going on. I don't know if they have actual data to show that public opinion has changed or if they just have a sense, you know, the advisors are smart enough to tell when the public image of TikTok started to shift. And so because of that, because they recognized that one of their competitors was weaning, that one of their competitors was struggling, Instagram and Facebook and Meta made the decision that, hey, now that TikTok isn't such a massive threat, we can take away Reels bonuses, basically stop paying people, and we can start charging people. So in a matter of a month, Instagram basically said, we're not going to put money in your pocket. Actually, we want some of that money that's in your pocket. And I think that one of the reasons that they felt comfortable doing this is because they felt like they might be able to say, 
Well, what else are you going to do? Where else are you going to go? If TikTok is banned or if TikTok is such a bad platform, you ain't going to go back to TikTok. So you might as well stay here on Instagram, stop getting paid with Reels bonuses and start paying us. Now, again, I just want to reiterate, these are all my opinions. These are all my hypotheses of what I think might be going on, but I think it somewhat makes sense. It at least makes sense to me. And in all honesty, another opinion of mine, I think that Meta is getting uh, quite a little bit greedy. Yeah, I would say that greedy might even be an understanding statement for how meta has been acting. I also think people are like, you know, how do you feel that, you know, you've built such a huge following on Instagram, you have such a, a relationship with Meta, which I want to say right here, like right now, if, if there's anyone who is going to be pro-Meta and anti-TikTok, it's me. I built a huge following on TikTok, but my views are trash. My engagement is terrible on TikTok. I've done an entire episode talking about why that is, but my TikTok audience, my TikTok is not very valuable. My Instagram is extremely valuable. I have a super engaged, loyal community on Instagram. I've built a huge following on Instagram and Instagram, their creator's account, the actual Instagram staff and Meta staff, I've worked with all of them. I have regular communication with Meta staff and they've paid me for collaborations. They've paid me handsomely. My biggest brand deal to this day was with Meta. So if there's anyone who should be pro-meta, it's me. And so I think that that's important to say. Maybe I should have said that earlier, but I just think it's important to know like where do our biases land? And if there's anyone who would be slanted or biased towards meta who doesn't actually work for meta, I think that I would be pretty high up on that list. And so I think that might give you a good lens to view this whole conversation today. Everything you're hearing is coming from someone who usually is pretty pro-meta, pro-Facebook, pro-Instagram. But all that to say, I think that Meta is a giant US-based corporation, and so they're doing what almost every other mega company in the United States does, which is doing pretty much anything to increase profits and cut losses. There's also been massive layoffs. I didn't talk about that in the timeline earlier, but there have been some pretty massive layoffs at Meta recently, and all of that is just to increase the bottom line, to make more money and stop losing money in whatever way they can. My next opinion is in regards to social media more broadly, and it's that every social media app collects, stores, and then oftentimes, usually, pretty much always, sells and or leaks and or allows third-party companies to have access to our data. Besides just ad revenue, the primary way that social media companies make their money is through our data, through selling it, through leaking it, through allowing other companies to purchase access to it. And while I don't love that fact, I think that it's just the reality of the unregulated social media world we live in. And you know what? I'm not a fan of China or the CCP or any foreign government. I don't care if it's England. I don't care if it's Mexico who has access to my data. I don't want all of those countries having access to all of my data or all of the United States citizens data in the same way. I don't want any third party company to have access to be able to just purchase my data off these websites. You know, thinking about Cambridge Analytica and the way they purchased data from Facebook to aid the Trump 2020 campaign. Again, this has nothing to do with a political stance or where you stand on the political spectrum. This is just, in my opinion, I'm not a big fan of anyone essentially having access to my data if they're willing to fork up a, enough money for it. But with that being said, I also recognize that that's the reality of social media and that's the rules of the game. 
That's what every single major social media company does. So until a social media company grows to a massive size and a massive engagement rate, and they don't do that, or until laws and regulations are put in place for every social network and the entire internet, which the internet is a super challenging, I would argue maybe even impossible place to regulate, until those things are put in place, that's just the reality of social media. And that's one of the trade-offs of, of doing business. So I would kind of say it's like a don't hate the player, hate the game type of situation where I'm not going to really hate that much on Meta for leaking or allowing third-party companies to access my data because that's hating the player. And really what I should be hating on is the game and the fact that they can do that. The fact that they can essentially allow outside companies and foreign entities to purchase my data to purchase our data in the same way that TikTok. I think that if you're someone who is really angry that TikTok may or may not allow the Chinese government or the Chinese government may sneak in and steal TikTok data, again, I think you should hate the game rather than the player, which is TikTok. My next opinion is that despite TikTok being a US company with servers on US soil, which are from a United States company, which is Oracle, and having security organizations that are within the US being overseen by United States security agencies, a CEO who is not from China, who denies that China has ever had access to US data and the fact that there has been zero factual evidence, zero proven or verifiable examples of the Chinese government accessing TikTok data. That has not been proven. Despite everything I just said, I still think it's possible that the Chinese government or the CCP has accessed United States citizen user data. I do not deny that it's possible. I definitely think it's possible. I might even say it's plausible. And I agree that any foreign government, like I said a minute ago, having access to US data is a bad thing, especially one that the United States is opposed to, like the CCP. I understand that. I agree. I think it's possible. But I think that the people who are running around saying that they definitely have or they know for a fact or there's been proven like that, th those things aren't true. There has been nothing proven. I think it's possible. But like I said a minute ago, you got to hate the game, not the player. Speaking of the player, speaking of TikTok, I think that TikTok is being used as a scapegoat for so many larger issues. I mean, we could speak for hours and hours and hours about the issues that are real and valid concerns of the U.S. people and even the U.S. government during this hearing. But ultimately, they're hating on the player rather than hating on the game. And I think that TikTok is being used as a scapegoat. Some of those other larger issues are like internet security, young adult mental health, teen mental health. When should kids be allowed to be on social media? How can kids access the internet? Should it be monitored? Should it be regulated? And who should be in charge of that moderation and legislation? What happens when a kid slips through? Because kids are always going to be better at technology than us who are over the age of 18 or over the age of 30 or over the age of 60. They're just always going to be better the younger you are because they grow up with this stuff. So they're always going to slip through. So what happens when they do? Who's punished? Who's responsible? Who 
gets to decide these laws and these regulations of should a kid who's 13 be allowed to use social media? Should a kid who's under 10? Should a kid who's 18 be allowed to use social media? How does that work? Also, data privacy rights. Who has access to your data? Who can store your data? Do you as the user get to know what data is being stored and collected and where it is and who has access to it? There are so many questions, so much uncertainty, so many concerns, and they apply to Meta just as much as they do TikTok, just as they do flipping Twitter and YouTube and every other social media. And I think that TikTok is being used as the scapegoat for these issues because honestly, there is very little regulation on the internet and in social media. And the United States government has done very little to pass legislation that addresses these issues. And so, like I said earlier, a lot of these politicians seem to use this trial and TikTok as a scapegoat, as a place to make talking points, as a place to get sound bites that they can play for their constituents to win more votes in future elections and say, look, I'm doing something. I'm fighting TikTok. When in reality, no legislation is being passed. No bills are really addressing the actual issues here. Because let's be honest, if TikTok gets banned, teen mental health isn't suddenly going to skyrocket. They're going to go to a new social media app or they're going to go to Instagram or YouTube or one of these already existing social media apps and it's going to be the same old show. It's going to be the same content, consuming the same kinds of things, posting the same kinds of things, obsessed with their phones, on phones all day long. All of these concerns that people have around young adults on social media, it pertains to social media, not specifically and exclusively to TikTok. All right, my final opinion before we get to my conclusion, and I appreciate you listening today because I know that this episode has been very opinion-based. I know I shared a lot of facts earlier, but it's also a lot of opinions, and this isn't really strategy-based. Like, I'm not helping you grow on TikTok today. I'm not helping you grow on Instagram or make more money on YouTube. This is more of a, a social issue rather than a social media growth strategies podcast. My final opinion before we hop into the conclusions is that I think that many of the conspiracy theories around TikTok they remind me of the Red Scare, and they suggest more about the paranoia of Americans more than anything else. I've heard some crazy things like the CCP is recommending pro-suicide videos to our teens in order to increase U.S. suicide rates. What? There's no data on that. There's nothing that, that shows that that's factual. That's just hearsay and opinions and, and drama and hyperbole. Some of the things I've heard is like, they're using the TikTok algorithm to brainwash our youth and, youth and, and, and TikTok promotes violence and socialism and anarchy. None of this is factual. None of this has been proven. None of this is evidence-based. It's so heavily rooted in fear of the unknown. It's almost comical. If it wasn't so sad and horrifying, it would be just a straight-up Saturday Night Live comedy skit. All right, so let's get to my conclusions. My conclusions, first of all, Meta has known problems. They have known issues, things that have been factually proven, things that they have settled in court. And TikTok definitely has problems as well. They have probable problems. That's hard to say 10 times fast. They have plausible issues. They have things that definitely are concerns. Meta has committed known wrongs and TikTok has possibly committed even worse wrongs. There is no right answer. As entrepreneurs in the web 2.0 environment that we live in, we are limited to borrowing platforms, to building followings on 
things that are on platforms, on apps, on websites that are owned by other companies. That's what Web 2.0 means. We are all operating on borrowed land, on rented territory. And of course, there are things like building an email list, building an offline community, building super fans. Shout out Pat Flynn. All of these things are essential, but they're not always easy to do, especially in this Web 2.0 world. There are promises of what Web 3.0 could be, and that's essentially where the power swings back to us as the users, and we are able to communicate with the masses. We're able to basically have social media followings, but I'm hesitant to even call it social media, online and be able to communicate with people and post content, but have it not be mediated through Instagram or not mediated through Meta or TikTok or any of these social media apps. Basically, a large company doesn't get to mediate our communication and doesn't get to dictate the algorithms, we are able to directly communicate with our followers, with the general public. That's Web 3.0. We're not going to get into that right now. But Web 2.0, the world we currently live in, <laughs> there is no right answer. We are ultimately, as entrepreneurs, as people building followings online, we are at the vulnerability and at the discretion of the landlords who we are renting this space from. Also, with this being the reality that we live in and with there being no right answer, I think it's up to each individual entrepreneur to decide what's acceptable for them. What do they want to do? What is good for them? What's bad for them? What's right and wrong? Where do they draw the line? To each their own. I think that you should never put all your eggs in one basket. I think it's up to each person to do their own research and pick their own platforms and, and form their own opinions. But ultimately, there is no right answer. For me personally, my answer is that I will continue to use Meta, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm going to still use both. I'm still going to operate on both. I really appreciate the opportunity to reach people. It might not be as many people as I might want. It might not be as many followers as I might want to connect with on a daily basis. But at the end of the day, I recognize that this is the reality that we live in. And the only other alternative is to go stand on the corner of the sidewalk, stand on my soapbox and speak into my megaphone in order to get people's attention. So I'm going to continue using these platforms. I'm going to continue to create content essentially on every platform, just like I do today, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter. I mean, you name the platform, basically I'm there. And I'm going to continue to grow my email list. I'm going to try to do as much as I can to build super fans, to build a raving community and to access people in ways that get them offline, to get people to in-person events, to get people to connect off of the internet as well. Thank you so much for listening today. I know this was a lot. I would love to hear your thoughts on Instagram. And I know I say that often, but especially for today where I'm sharing an opinion and we're talking a lot about social issues, I would love to hear what your thoughts were on this episode. If you enjoyed it, please give it a share. Post it up on your Instagram stories. That would mean a lot to us. But thank you so much for listening today. I appreciate you taking the time to hang out with me. And I look forward to hearing what your opinions are, whether you agree or disagree and what your thoughts are on this whole TikTok ban meta lobbying mess, this web 2.0 world that we live in. Thank you for listening. And as always, happy networking.